0: From beanies to carry bags, and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Trish Wood on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Hi there, this is Trish Wood, and you are with me on the fringe today. We've got two amazing guests, and they're the right guests at the right time because you'll know this by now, that in the last week, there has been a kind of an informational reversal of sorts. We're starting to learn things that are much more clearly pointing out how absolutely censorious big tech was on a number of fronts, some of them which are really near and dear to my heart too, and one of them involving our friend Jay Bhattacharya, one of the uh, exemplary doctors behind the Great Barrington Declaration-focused protection plan, which would have saved us from many of the lockdown collateral damage problems that we had. He was being shadow banned. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I was sitting on Thursday night watching Tucker Carlson, kind of relaxing, getting ready for bed, and up pops Jay's picture on the set of Tucker Carlson. And I thought, what is, you know, I thought for a minute, oh my God, has he died or something? What's happening here? And uh, and Tucker revealed information that was coming up in real time from Barry Weiss, who was going through the new Twitter documents that Jay indeed had been shadow banned. And of course we know that so Martin Kulldorff I believe was actually kicked off for a period of time. So that was, you know, I knew it was true because I've been covering COVID intimately for two and a half years. I was a science journalist. I've been devoted to getting to the bottom of this kind of fake narrative we've all been living with. And, and Jay has been one of the people I rely on for, Accurate information. And so I, I knew that Twitter and obviously other social media platforms had gone after people like him and others and me too. Uh, but to actually hear it said on Tucker Carlson in the way that it was and to understand that Elon Musk is, you know, for good or ill, whatever you think of Elon, um, that was a big deal. And it. it <laughs> It's so big, actually, that when you you think about it, you have to wonder: Did people die as a result of this kind of censorship of medical information? Because they certainly censored the vaccine heretics too, in a big, almost in a bigger way, right? And so, what we know about a lot of the censoring they were doing at big tech, likely at the behest of the government, which we're going to find out more about in hour two, because I've got Janine. Eunice, who is one of the lawyers involved in the lawsuit, started by two American attorneys general to depose Tony Fauci and find out exactly how much manipulation was going on. So we're going to talk about that in hour two. But um, but obviously there was some. We know from emails that there was some manipulation going on at the highest levels of the public health establishment, namely Fauci's office, to smear the great Barrington people, not on the basis of what they were proposing. It was a smear, and oddly, uh, the smear used against them is one of the reasons I have fringe in my title, why I say we're on the fringe, because... As you may know by now, uh Fauci and Francis Collins accused the Great Barrington dogs of being fringe doctors, which like Oxford, Stanford, uh Harvard hardly, right? Um so being on and then, and then of course Trudeau called our trucker convoy people that too, which was absurd. There were like millions of people supporting them. Hardly fringe. So that's why I incorporated it into the title of this show. But to see that kind of unearthed uh in the way that it was was um, it was pretty breathtaking, right? that I'm assuming, I mean I'm, I'm sure this is true that people likely died as a result of the other side of the scientific argument being quashed by government, big science, and big tech. This is not a small thing. And so we're going to focus on that today. I've got Karen Hunt on in the first hour. She's a, a friend of the show and someone I know our listeners and indeed the other hosts, everybody here at TNT enjoys Karen because she's, she's a, a broad thinker. She knows a lot about a lot of things and she puts it into a cultural context that kind of reflects the way we live right now, which is almost in a constant state of, um, of being unsettled, right? I mean, we knew that this news might come. We hope that these people might be exposed and then it happens and you're like, wow. You know, for two and a half years, they've been gaslighting us, right? At the highest levels of public health, they've been gaslighting us and going after people who had maybe a different opinion, for sure a different opinion, but it was an opinion uh, much more widely held than they let us know. And um, widely held based on science. So that's what we're doing today. And it's going to be a really great show. Um, The other thing that happened in this kind of informational tsunami that came at us last week, this is huge in my view. And of course, nobody in legacy media is even talking about it. A whistleblower um, who worked for EcoHealth, which was funded by the NIH and Tony Fauci, is now saying, full stop, not fudging it, COVID leak from the Wuhan lab, which we all kind of knew anyway, right? No, only fools would even try to, try to uh, dispute that now. But the, here's what's interesting about that. You know, these bits of information come out at times when nobody's suspecting it, right? The lab leak theory has kind of fallen away from the the public discourse right now. So that's kind of how they get away with it. But if you take what they now say is sort of the 30,000-foot view of this story, meaning you back up and say, what does this actually mean? If you think about it, again, it's like the Twitter files. It's breathtaking when you think about the repercussions of what has happened here. Number one, it means that Tony Fauci lied under oath, said he wasn't funding it, said it didn't come from a lab, blah, 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 when he was being... Uh, um Questioned by Rand Paul, uh, that's what he said. But but even more than that, even more than the cover up around it is the idea that the guy who was running essentially the world's response to COVID virus, uh, hand in hand with the World Health Organization, who I have limited respect for, was in a sense partially responsible for the virus being unleashed on the world and all the people who died of it, right? I mean, you cannot make this stuff up people. It's insane. And legacy media now is so corrupt. They should be ha- they should be lining up outside Fauci's house wherever he lives, Virginia or wherever, and demanding answers. But you know what happened? I don't know if you saw this or not, but when Corrine Jean-Pierre at his at Fauci's last um, news conference at the White House, this um, African reporter, and I mean from an African country, um, with a French accent whose name I've forgotten, but he was terrific. He got up and he, he knows, he's smart, he's a, he's a real reporter. He knows the only question for Tony Fauci on Tony Fauci's last day of work is, did the virus come from a lab you were funding? Full stop, that's it. That's a, <laughs> And Corrine Jean-Pierre shut that line of questioning down. Can you imagine that? She just, she said, no, you can't. And I will tell you this from my days as a reporter. In the olden days, when we were all doing our jobs, we would have gotten together in a bunch, in a cluster, in a scrum, and everybody called upon after the person who was shut down would ask the same question. So they couldn't run from it. Get it? But they don't do that anymore. He was an outlier that he was asking this hard question because the media in DC, certainly the White House press corps, who suck up to Biden, except for this African gentleman and Peter Ducey, don't ask them any hard questions. They like actually Karine Jean Pierre has lied so many times in that room that in the olden days they would have the press corps would have gone on strike and refused to work until they replaced her. Because you know, back in the day everybody spun politicians all lied a little bit but now it's like they're so obviously lying and getting away with it that um you know this would never have been allowed 15 or 20 years ago never she wouldn't have been able to stay in the job but now they're just all on the same side aren't they <laughs> the only person who got hassled was trump and his and his uh spokespeople in that in that room so yeah we it's that's why what happened this week was so important that we have this the lab story now confirmed by someone who worked at EcoHealth, the place that NIH was funding, who was in turn funding the Wuhan lab. And these Twitter files all coming up. Obviously, last week it was the Hunter Biden laptop story, which I, I talked about a bit, but but now they're doing some work on the, on the COVID um the COVID censorship. Now I'm just going to say this one thing not to be mean because I admire Barry Weiss. I think she's a courageous human being and I admire Matt Taibbi who I've had on my show. I don't think they should be vetting the COVID docs because even great journalists like that got COVID wrong. Barry got it wrong and Matt got it wrong. And I don't fault them for that. They know all kinds of stuff about the world and politics and And the national security state that I don't know, which is why I would never vet national security documents. I would say, no, no, it's not me. But on the COVID story, after two and a half years of working on it, I can tell you Barry and Matt are not the right people. You know, they may think the vaccines are wonderful, as most people kind of at that level have done, even if they're educated and good reporters. So I hope that, Elon, are you listening? (laughs) <laughs> call me and I'll tell you who you should get to vet the docs because it's really important that you that you don't give it to people who haven't been specializing in COVID-19. And I'm not talking about the outliers with crazy theories. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the mainstream people and there are many who can help you vet those documents in a meaningful way. So um, yeah, well, what a world we live in, right? So let's go to Karen Hunt who is waiting on the line for me now, and I'm so happy to say hello to you. We haven't talked in a while, have we, Karen? No, it's
2: always great to talk to you, and there's every single day there's (laughs) some new crazy thing to talk about, it seems like. But I just have to say the follow-up with what you were were saying about Elon Musk, too. uh appealing to him to get someone else to go through these documents just remember when he was on in time magazine on its cover he he was promoting the vaccines yeah. and he himself got the vaccine and his eligible children so you yeah. know he he is probably a little bit biased himself i mean these people are never going to admit you know, this is a lot of the problem. They're not going to admit, and and in fact, you know, it's one thing to you know be courageous and stand up for your, career, which I again also I'm I'm with you to admire Barry Weiss, but to go that far, to yeah. really, you know, um, that's too far for a lot of these people, you know? Well, it is, and and
1: I actually went through uh, Matt. I was kind of Googling Matt Taibbi vaccines, Matt Taibbi COVID-19. I did the same with Barry Weiss. And um, yeah, they're, they're not the right people to, they're just not the right people to do it. What's interesting about it is that I've learned more about how to vet these really complex stories in the last two years, really, than I did my whole, career, because it's it's kind of like I want to say to Barry and Matt, well, did you really think they've lied about all this other stuff, but they were like totally on the level around COVID? <laughs> you know, yeah. this is the one thing they didn't lie about. <laughs> yeah, no, of course not, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, I remember writing, you know, I wrote one of the first, um, essays that I wrote was called The Demonization of the Unvaxxed. It was a long, you know, in the very beginning, and, and I, and I talked about, um, the one thing, you know, in the beginning when, when, um, Dr. Fauci said, you know, oh, you don't need to wear masks. And then he changed it and said, you need to wear masks. And then I said that right there, you know, I was taught when I was a child, I guess people aren't taught this anymore, but I was taught that your word is your bond and you stand by your word and that's how you know, how you can trust somebody. And the doctor at that level who obviously, and then he said, oh, well, I, I told you all that because we wanted to make sure that we could save the, the, we didn't want to run out of the masks, you know? So he Perp. So he admitted, yes. actually, that yes. he lied, you know? Yes, and yes. I forgot me, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and keep so, it, exactly, and so to me, when, when I want to say to people, don't you know that you know when someone lies to you especially someone at that level and treat you basically like a little child you know that you can't get this information we're going to we're going to save you from this information because you don't know how to process it we will process it for you and if that means lying to you we're justified in doing that for again for your own good that right there you cannot trust that man from that point onwards, you cannot trust that man, no matter how much of an expert he is because he 's not going to tell you the truth
1: well that 's so true, and also when you think about that lie, which I of all the stuff i 've been digging around in i 'd actually forgotten about that i 'm so glad you reminded me because it it was a kind of a moment, and what he was also doing in that decision to lie if in fact he believed masks work which i don't there's no evidence they do but clearly he no. did at one point um he's doing triage then too he's deciding who's gonna live and who's gonna die right if he's saying well yeah, don't use it yes, they're for absolutely. healthcare workers so he's like what Maybe yeah, it it's crazy. Sad. Really crazy.
2: Really, really crazy what they did.
1: Unbelievable,
2: if you think about it. Uh, I wrote another another uh, piece called um, Once Upon a Fomite. <laughs> and it actually goes into the history of, you know, I- I- if we knew these things, we would have seen clearly what he was doing. Because in the beginning, he, um, you know, there were all these rituals that he made people go through, you know, like obsessively cleaning um surfaces you know wearing these masks and if and and the first one was you know to be terrified of surfaces clean everything clean everything so if you can get people to do these things you know to to f- perform these rituals then you know it's it's a process of brainwashing basically and and so I sort of go in in that piece of how he accomplished this based on the yellow fever um, s- threats you know in the Panama Canal I actually go back to that and And bring it forward to, um, you know, he obviously knew this, because this is what that what they did at that time. So he applied the same process to getting people to um, perform rituals, basically, meaningless rituals,
1: really. So, I'm sorry, tie that into the what's the historical context there, because I don't know that.
2: Uh, well, but, well, with the yellow fever, you know, with the, oh, it's, yeah. it's a big story, but with the yellow fever, uh, you know, in Panama, they couldn't build the Panama Canal. At first, it was the French who were trying to build it because, you know, of this horrible scourge of, of, um, yellow fever and bringing it across. And they thought that it was coming, you know, being brought across on, uh, to the, to the United States or to other areas by the, um, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the boxes or, or, crates or whatever that that were coming in so they were cleaning all this stuff and cleaning all this stuff and then and then it was finally determined that it was you know through these mosquitoes and they weren't basically they weren't applying the right process but it was it was all about the big thing was fomites 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 I mean, Fauci didn't use that word, he didn't use the word fomites, but it was basically the same kind of um, process of getting people to, you know, clean, uh, remove themselves, um, you know, uh, and and perform these types of rituals, which takes the um, focus away from what is the actual uh, problem, you know.
1: I interviewed Laura Dodsworth for the show about a year ago. She wrote the book called State of Fear about the terrible um, nudge units that were trying to gain compliance for these public health measures by scaring people. And it's really interesting you mentioned that, the surface level stuff, because... Uh, she has stories in the book one story in particular about a man who was so terrified of covid-19 he was he was kind of driven temporarily insane mm. and he would leave the house and then when he came back he would leave his shoes outside and go into the bathroom and have a bath or a shower i guess and and really like rub his skin raw to get rid of the virus that might be It was just awful yeah. and a lot of the people who were really changed by that um it was because of this kind of propaganda that they were hit with right i mean it's, and and i don't know how you i think he kind of came out of it but i think there are some people who will never be normal again i know some oh, who, who they'll yeah. always be like super scared of they're even talking where i am now of people masking up for flu and colds now i mean it's just it's oh insane. yeah yeah
2: yeah they're talking about that in uh, california and in new york as well uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, we used to call this hypochondria. You know, but it's like you're a hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah. You know, now it's just normal. So, uh, um, yeah, it's really, really, and it's amazing how how it's achieved. Um, you know, really. It, it, you know, by, you know, um, getting into people's heads with sto- with stories, with scary stories, stories you know, yeah. um, kind of takes you back to your childhood, almost, you know, and scary stories. And and um, it's quite amazing. How Yeah, I heard people that would, you know, I always was hearing stories of people, they would... Take their clothes off in the garage, you yes. know. Put them in, yeah, and then go inside and take a shower, and and not even like saying how oh you should never sit on your bed in the clothes that you've been wearing when you. I mean, literally things like that. I mean, I I take yeah. my shoes off when I go in the house, you know. But I mean, yeah. you take off all. I mean, it's really they they really did a number, and they did it really quite
1: well. I mean, you can't say they didn't succeed. They did. They did succeed. I, I actually interviewed um, Aaron Cariatti. Uh, maybe it might have been yesterday, I think. Yeah. And uh, for this week's show, the Trish Wood is Critical Podcast. And um, we were talking about the levels of, of kind of mental illness that were caused by by their approach and um and we discussed even my own because i still haven't completely climbed out of the pit so i want to tell you what he said about it and we'll do mm-hmm. that when we come back after a, a break we'll be back in a moment with karen hunt
0: Hervoy Morich on TNT Radio. Three people have been killed, and at least two nuclear-capable bombers were likely damaged in separate blasts at two Russian airfields. Two Tu-95 long-range strategic nuclear bombers were damaged by a drone that fell on the runway at the Engels airfield in Western Russia's Saratov region so drone warfare skynet is becoming self-aware i think more and more we're going to begin to see countries utilizing testing you know kamikaze drones drone swarms uh we have drone black hawk helicopters now that don't need uh, humans on board uh, all sorts of you know self-driving tanks and that sort of stuff so it's it's only a matter of time but it's it's war that's the name of the game. Per Voyer Morich on today's News
3: Talk Radio TNT. A deadly virus emanating from Wuhan, China, <laughs> is sweeping across the globe. Something is off. The disease caused by the novel coronavirus has been titled COVID nineteen. What we're being told doesn't add up. So important in this crisis that we are, that people Congress a passes a multi billion dollar bill that will bring. There is no cure and no way to treat this illness. All we can do is wait for a vaccine. All we can do, can do. do is wait for a vaccine. There must be a doctor out there who's questioning this. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm the vice chairman of internal medicine. The only chance to reduce the risks of hospitalization is
1: early home treatment. We can beat this pandemic.
0: Patients actually think the virus is untreatable. There's such a focus on the vaccine. Where's the focus on people sick right now?
3: The pressure to suppress any hope of treatment is extraordinary. Why the single-minded focus on the vaccine? What is that? What is that about? That's really going to be the goal of investigative reporters to figure this out unprecedented lockdowns, devastating economic damage, huge violations of personal freedom, families separated from their loved ones, all in the name of a medical emergency. Things won't go back to truly normal. ...until we have a vaccine that we've gotten out to the entire world. What we hope we have of protecting our communities is to get a needle in every arm. I am not going to follow what you are suggesting and let the virus slaughter my patients. John, I'm watching what's happening. This is a treatable illness. I don't think this is a matter of academic debate and confusion. What the evidence shows is that this is an organized criminal enterprise. They call this a business opportunity. People need to know the truth. We are witnessing the greatest organized crime in history to the tune of trillions of dollars. The biopharmaceutical complex is using censorship, propaganda, and manipulation to keep people living in fear. But what we need now is
0: courage. The Courage to Face COVID-19. Available at CourageToFaceCovid.com. If you're still wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: That was pretty good. If you're wearing a mask, you're spreading misinformation. I, li- I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. I really like that. And <laughs> listening cool. to those, all those clips. Wow, like I'm yeah. freaked out. Like I, with the tension track behind it, I'm like, ah, you know, that's what we just <laughs> all lived through. So exactly, <laughs> the PTSD. <laughs> <desk>. <laughs> I know <laughs> PTSD. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about. um about the the Andrew Doctor Andrew Huff and the Eco Health thing, like I, I just mm-hmm. I, I am completely having cognitive dissonance here. This should be the biggest story in the whole world, maybe right now. And uh, whistleblower, yeah, it was. I mean, and nobody is really talking about it, and nobody's really thinking about it. So, what was your take when you when you read the whistleblower story?
2: Well, I. Uh you know it, it it's interesting all these things coming out and the, it, it, nothing ever seems the, the thing that's craziest to me is that nothing ever seems to matter you know so yes. so this yes. this has come out and you and you really can start you know cuz i've been writing about all this stuff for a long time and it's pretty mind blowing there is such an interconnected web of deceit and corruption when, you know when you start connecting all those dots it's you know it's so incestuous all of these people how all these people and all these organizations are are connected, and you really, you know, it's beyond a conspiracy theory. It's like a, a conspiracy. I mean, you really begin to feel like that, and that's how I felt about this article or, 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 you know, the, uh, uh, this revelation, basically. But And another thing that's interesting is that you still have people saying that's all, even that's just a trap because it really didn't come out of, you know, of Wuhan. We're being told that. Because it's really, you know, there never was a virus, you know. So and and so you have all of these people just flooding you with all of this contradictory information, you know.
1: Yeah, and
2: that makes it really difficult. But if you look at just the facts of things, like I just wrote it in my um, break free update. For I do a update once a month, you know, a little update of different things, and so I put it in there that, that the pen pentagon you know if you look at the facts the pentagon gave millions of dollars to echo health alliance for weapons research programs and wow. a lot of that went to the wuhan institute of virology for back coronavirus research okay so so and this money is not traceable. Our, it, it, okay, so it's a total of $33.85 million. That's 90% of ACOS awards from um, DTRA and 81% of its total Pentagon awards went towards the, this in particular. So yeah. our electric officials, they they give out this money and there's no transparency or oversight. Like you can't it's sort of like the the you know, all the money going to Ukraine. It's like oh, oh where did that where they went somewhere? Oh well, we know. Good don't don't um dispute this. It all went for a good cause, you know. It's the same kind of thing. So so and and at the same time, we are paying for this. I mean, we, we you know, don't forget let, lest we forget, it's our money. I, I don't even know where all this money comes from. Actually, besides also just printing it up, but yeah, but our money, you know, our hard-earned money goes towards these things, and we have no say about this. So yeah, it's quite, um, it's quite uh, incredible. And the one, uh, and the World Health Organization's one health is a part of this too which is uh, described on this website as as um, particularly important to prevent predict detect and respond to global health threats such as the COVID-19 pandemic Bill Gates Foundation is involved in all of this so again when you start looking at it on a deeper level all of these things are
1: interconnected you well know, I spent and, I spent a year and a half saying, why the hell is Bill Gates weighing in on this? Why is he being interviewed yeah, as a exactly. piece of vaccinologist or an epidemic? He's not, he's nothing. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire, I guess, and not a very honorable one who's got a really checkered history and was a privileged kid of privileged people. Like why is he being interviewed on CNN?" making commands that were to follow like for me it was so jarring I thought you know because I've been in the news business for my whole life I I know why you book people you book people because they have expertise on a subject so what what was Bill Gates's expertise on COVID-19 he had none he just pushed vaccines from the from the get-go it was really really shocking the other thing that freaked me out and you should probably do this when you have some free time but this guy named Yoel Roth He was sort of in charge of all the censorship. He's got some fancy dumb name, but but that's what (laughs) his job was. Young guy, I saw him interviewed, and he's exactly the kind of person you don't want making big decisions. And in some of the stuff that was released, uh, I believe it was yesterday, some of the communications, he was the big guy censoring a lot of COVID stuff, too. He says, "Oh, I can't be at that meeting because I have I'm speaking at the Aspen Institute on vaccines." (sighs) And I thought, "Why? Why is this dude? Yeah, like what? What? Like so? And this? And the thing here's the thing about Silicon Valley and these and big tech having the, the the nerve to censor people is that these are not." the sharpest tools in the drawer. Yeah, they're good at algorithms and computer science and 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 spouting the ritual uh, phrases that signal that you're woke enough to work in that industry. But they're not people who sit around contemplating big things, right? They're the last people you want making decisions about censorship. And Joel Roth might be the very last based on how he appears when he's talking about it, right? Like petulant and <laughs> and like they know more than they do. Like they know what is the truth of vaccines. They know and, uh, and they were making those big decisions. It was sh- really shocking for yeah. me to see how inept they are, you know? Yeah, I mean, but but isn't that exactly
2: the kind of people that the government wants in those
1: types of positions? I mean, if you've ever gone to the <laughs> yeah. social
2: security office or whatever, and there's a guy sitting behind the desk, and he's looking, and, and if, you know, if you just rub him the wrong way a little bit, there's no way in in hell or heaven he's ever going to give you that information that you want, or he's going to, you know, push you to the back of the line, or, you know, and so this is exactly the type of people there. But, you know, give it, give them their little bit of power power, and they're, you know, very arrogant people that, and probably, if you were to talk to them, believing that they're really, you know, doing the right thing, a lot of them, you know, and they're going to, um, you know, uh, make sure that the right, correct information gets out there and all of that, and it's just, it's, um, it's it's a scary, but but again, you know, and people will say, well, this is a private company, they can do that, I mean, I guess the thing about it is the government um influencing them you know to do that i mean uh, but so you know we're seeing that but again you know as we're always being told it was for everybody's own good they did it out of the good of their hearts you know they were Trying to do the right thing, you know. It's all that sort of sort of thing. Sam Bankman Fried. Oh, I keep thinking about him, but he didn't know. He was trying to do the right yeah. thing, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 endless
1: this this um justification for these things. I mean it is I'm not surprised that it was Vijaya Gata because I, I did see her on the Joe Rogan show um a couple of years ago, and she's she she's she was like um, the guy who replaced Jack Dorsey in the sense that they are absolutely rabid anti-free speechers and, mm-hmm. and wokesters, like completely, shamelessly in favor of censoring any ideas that they don't agree with as hate speech, right? So I wasn't surprised that her her name came up. What did surprise me was Jack Dorsey under oath, I believe, saying no, no, we weren't shadow banning, no, no, no. And it was interesting cuz Tucker said last night, I think it was last night, that um that maybe he didn't actually didn't know. Elon seems to be saying that Jack Dorsey uh. maybe didn't know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. But, but, but you know, he—I don't know—like he either. Jack Dorsey is so like he's really out there, right? He does—he's one of these. He takes an ice bath, and he, you know, he only eats like one small meal a day, and he's always got like a dumb knit beanie on because he wants to be cool. Like he's just—I think he's kind of out there, and I think it's possible. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe Vijay Gaddi was actually ran. I don't know, but. Okay, um, well-
2: first of all i mean look at elon musk's image sleeps on the floor you know he's doesn't own anything you know is i mean i know anyway i don't want to get but i mean i know people who worked in those tesla offices i mean it's like the just a nightmarish person to work for. You don't dare criticize him, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. his big thing now. So to say Jack Dorsey did, knew nothing, and this is a narrative. Every time I hear something like this across the board, <laughs> everybody's <laughs> saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. 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 You know, my little uh, antenna raises yeah. off, raises up, and uh, red flags go off all over the place. I mean. I mean, and again, that's his, oh, wow. Yeah. Everybody knows he takes ice baths. He's out there. He's like, uh, he doesn't know. He's just wandering around meditating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but actually, if that's the case, if that were the case, isn't he even more responsible? (laughs) You know, you could look at it that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't he have known what his own company was doing? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and he didn't know that all these people were being, censored and that this was you know i i find that very very hard to believe so it's tough to yeah and and he and his company you know i haven't written anything yet about block him being blockhead elon musk being head twit but um you know he calls himself blockhead of his company that used to be called square now it's block Well, it will will be very interesting to see what happens with this company because he's been, you know, and Bitcoin. And because I also write a lot about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and sort of how that's all unfolding. So let's just see what happens there, you know, with with that and um, with his company and the government.
1: It's really interesting. Like you almost have to pick your lane these days, right? Like I, I can't be as smart as you on the stuff that you're smart about, because it would take me all day to do, to do, to be that smart. It's so interesting, right? And it's like what I was saying about Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi, they're terrific, but they don't know enough about COVID to be doing the COVID documents. They really don't. And so, you know, it's really, even if you're a critical thinker, you know, as we all are, as those two are, it's really hard to keep up with the, the kind of, onslaught the fire hose of stuff that's coming at us all the time it's uh we'll impossible. Be back in a min- yeah <laughs> it is impossible we'll be back in a minute karen and uh, we're just going to take a break
4: hollywood goes bonkers on climate
0: Yet again, from Washington D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano.
4: Disney star actress Bette Midler goes on climate rant. "Quote: I have done my part. I bathe once a month. F you." Unquote. So we're saved. Bette Midler bathes once a month. The planet is healing. Hollywood actor Ed Norton hits out at non-sustainable luxury tourism, urges certified standards of sustainability in tourism. Or put another way, restrict more people from traveling by making it more expensive. Actor Norton also lamented the number of people who get on planes. He may as well just said only important wealthy people should be allowed to fly. But kudos to comedian Bill Maher, who declared that teenagers worried about climate should shut the bleep up. You're using cars as much as we did, Maher said. Maher also praised private jets. Quote, the only people who don't like private are the ones who can't. Now that's my favorite kind of Hollywood liberal. Honest, frank, and willing to say it like it is. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio.
0: Elon Musk says Twitter's censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story was the definition of election interference and that the firm was acting as an arm of the DNC. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: I totally agree with what what Elon said there. You know what I like about Elon or Elon is his mother. (laughs) (laughs) she's quite
2: something isn't she I want to be her when I'm her her age and I think I'm still a little bit younger than her so
1: (laughs) I know but I do too and I'm not that much younger than her but you know she's beautiful she's stylish she's modeling I think at the age of like 75 or something yeah she's really cool so that's something to shoot for isn't it I don't know how she stays so thin right? That's... Well, you know,
2: she's got a lot of work done and a lot of money. And it's sort of like (laughs) Jane Fonda. I have a grudging respect for her. You know, I mean, man, what a fight. Like, she she just keeps going and fixing her face and
1: everything. And you know, it's like, it's quite incredible. Really, I have to admire it. I, I do too. It is quite incredible. Probably a bit obsessive. I I think I remember that Jane may have had a little eating disorder or something along those lines. Yes, I think she did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Were you around for her videos, like her workout videos and stuff?
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Back in that day, uh, well, I, th- I was in the 80s, I guess. So I was living in, yeah. in, in uh, London. I was living between London and Yugos- <laughs> a village in communist Yugoslavia at that time. But um so I didn't see them as much there as I, w- I, I would have probably if I'd lived in the United States. But yeah, I do remember them. I think that you was in the 80s. I was it in the say- 90s.
1: Maybe the nineties. Well, I think I it don't was. Know. Well, I'm trying to. No, I think it was the eighties. Actually, because yeah. I think I, that's when I sort of got hooked on aerobics. And I have to say, good on her for doing that too, right? Because yeah. it did inspire us all to go to those classes and <laughs> you know get in shape and stuff. It was sort of sort of good. Can I broach Harry and Megan with you? I know you haven't written about oh, it yet, but are you following I, it? And this is not. All? This is not one of my major
2: topics. I know. But I'll have I a know, go. i I'll have person. a go with it.
1: Okay. <laughs> well here's here's what I think about it and i I am a bit of a monarchist, which I don't try to explain or justify it's a belief system I have <laughs> as a Canadian I like the buildings, I like the paintings, I love the queen blah 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 right I can't but I can't mm. defend it it's just my thing right um having said that, what that means is that I've been kind of deep diving this this series and the response to it and what what I can say seriously about it beyond the um you know, the kind of gossipy fun stuff about it is that A, I think Megan is probably a pure psychopath, but <laughs> and <laughs> okay, that he's, I'll he's, agree with you there. <laughs> then, yeah, and then yeah. he's really weak. Um uh-huh. but but the bigger story about the story is that is how lame mainstream media is about them, right? You can really see a difference between how this um how they in general and then this this um uh, uh Netflix series specifically has been treated in in Britain of course they're furious mm. because they've been cataloging her lies and in in America to a large degree people like Gail Kicker are saying oh they're getting to speak their truth and so and it's like I I it it, it is exemplary to me of if you cloak yourself in enough victimhood truth is is irrelevant. And that's what's happened here. Like I mm. know after Oprah, people said she told like eight demonstrable lies in there, and, and they sort of documented them. She also said on, the, on her podcast that they were dancing for her in the streets of Cape Town like they did <laughs> for Nelson Mandela when he was rumors. So I'm like, really? Oh my you know, goodness. I know. So that's nonsense. But the, the people, there's a kind of a cult-like uh, Megan and Harry bunch on social media and elsewhere who will never think they're anything but perfect. And it kind of reflects the tribalism around politics these days too, right? I mean, there are people who think Joe Biden is not an aging, demented lunatic, right? Even though the evidence suggests he is. And it's because of this kind of tribalism. And Harry and Megan kind of reflect that for me, and the coverage of them does as well. Yeah yeah well the
2: whole thing about your truth you know uh, well there's no longer (laughs) truth you know yeah i mean how dare you suggest that there might be some overarching you know actual truth and don't um you know don't deny my truth i'm supposed to you know, um, acknowledge your truth, because otherwise, I will, you know, hurt your feelings. And, you know, everything's yeah. about uh, emotionalism now. So, yeah, so yes. there's a whole thing. Yeah, it, er, you know, we we react emotionally to things. And that's part of, you know, like, when you were talking about um, how hard it is to absorb all these different stories, it, it's done on purpose that, you know, like, I write, essays and people in the beginning told me don't do that because they're too long nobody will ever read them and I said well I'm going to keep doing it because it's my conviction that um, you know I, I want to write things and actually tell a story and tell something in depth rather than 50 million different things and so that people will think that they've actually learned something when they've learned nothing you know um, right. it's like if, if for like if you focus on Anthony Fauci you know just telling that lie about masks, you don't have to tell a million different stories about it. You just have to tell that, tell that one and go in depth and why he did that. And then, you know, every, you know, you know everything from there, but then you immediately are getting distracted. So, you know, that's why the stories about uh, Megan and Harry, you know, it's fluff and people enjoy it. But um I have a good, <laughs> good story about that. Um, my daughter was actually born in London in the same hospital, St. Mary's as William on the same weekend as he was born. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? So I How? was in the hospital there. I mean, obviously, I was in a different part of the hospital than, than um, you know, than, than she was. Than Diana. Um, yeah. and Diana was, yeah. But, you know, she was, but I saw them go in. And Thank I would you. see Charles go in it like I was in a dorm with all these other women. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, and, 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 yeah. and, and, and I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I can't go into everything. But that was crazy. Even being in that hospital was a crazy experience. But um and and we would like run to the window and look. Oh, look, there he is, you know. And, um, and then when and then when William was born, um, he gave us all a, a, a rose. Every every woman that had a baby oh. in there was uh, given a rose. Um, so anyway, so I feel very connected to the royal family, you know. Yeah. And thinking, oh, but you know, who knew at that time the reality of of diana's life you know we didn't know you know so that's another thing you're just like looking at her as like this princess and this wonderful life and it's so amazing and then i was in i think yeah and i was in um I, i was in slovenia when um when she died and i mean so being you know at least in europe that part of the world it was quite so just unbelievably horrific so yeah so you know Probably Harry's, you know, who knows what damage has gone on in his life, you know, all of them. But you do think of the, of the royal family as this state, you know, as something solid and strong. Yeah. And I think that's why they, you know, to, to bring, to bring it down. Um, sort of leave, especially for 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 people in the uk you know it, it it leaves them so lost and you can see how lost that country is now you know so,
1: yeah A very interesting yeah i heard well the queen's death was obviously i was quite quite upset by it just yeah. because she's been around forever and we used to sing god save the queen in her pictures in our change lockers and schools here and stuff. But, but the Diana thing is quite interesting because I like, like you, I remember exactly where I was when I found out that she had died in the Alma tunnel or on the way to the hospital. No, no, I think she actually died in the hospital, but
2: yeah, she died in the coming hospital. Back, think,
1: yeah. Yeah. From yeah. the Alma tunnel, but, but, but she, but, and I actually predicted it because they, the guy, there was a guy working for Newsweek in Paris. And I remember I was watching the coverage overnight um, and he came out and he said they have an announcement at seven o'clock in the morning Paris time, right? And I turned to the person I was with and I said, she's dead.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and he said, why are you saying that? And I'm saying because seven o'clock is very likely the staff change. And it means that they if she 's died they can 't keep it a secret anymore, so they 're buying time like they're uh, and that 's actually what happened right that Philip had flown over, and uh, Paul Burrell brought her clothes so they could dress the body and all that sort of stuff and indeed, at seven a m Paris time, they announced that she died and I remember that so so very uh-huh. clearly, but then I went off on a shoot with a woman I admire very much Michelle Mativier, who was my producer on some of this investigative work. And uh, we were driving along these two feminists driving along in the crew van off to do some investigative <laughs> shoot and we started talking about Dana and Michelle and I were crying and the, the the men in the crew were like, "What is up with you guys like she's like you're a feminist, she's like a blonde-haired princess. why are you c- crying in the back of the van?" Yeah. And I couldn't really put my finger on it, but there was something about her that appealed to all women. I think even Mm feminists kind of believe in fairy tales and maybe we do. And she seemed pretty and kind and certainly didn't deserve, you know, what happened to her, but it's amazing the, the uh, impact she had on people who you would not have thought would be so impacted by her death in that way. It was really quite something, wasn't
2: it? Um, It was huge. And, uh, for me, you know, I was, when I lived in London, I was living, it was a very dark time in my life. I was married. I had, my husband was physically abusive, quite horrific, actually. And, oh, um, sorry. I, I escaped out of that, um, Marriage, and that's how I got into martial arts and full contact fighting, and you know, never ever (laughs) wanted to be in that type of situation again. I had a lot of motivation to do that, but um, but so being in a situation, and I was married, he was a, a well known, um, uh like a pop star in, in 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 Yugos what was then Yugoslavia uh from Slovenia. And um and so I was in this world of, you know, this sort of entertainment world. He was a good friend with Cliff Richard all this stuff. And oh, really? and um wow. yeah, I actually I actually illustrated one of Cliff Richard's album covers, if you want to believe that. It's pretty crazy. Uh-huh. But but so and everything had to be hidden, you know well, yeah. I didn't know how to talk about what was going on in my life. I, I, you know, nobody, it was just this, there was a facade there and you're, you know, you're behind that facade and you just kind of shrink down further and further. Who would ever, you know, I was even like, I couldn't even speak at that time. I didn't know how to wow. articulate anything. So pretty surprising how much I'm talking today, right? But, um you know that's how you can overcome things and so i feel like i'm a real you know i've over, i i'm a real overcomer you know a real really victorious in my life but so i think i re, i can for myself relate to what you went through and i and how much strength and courage it, take. it takes for a person, you have no, no idea, of her standing to go out every day, to be in the public, to do her thing, you know, to greet people, you know, all those things that you have to do, and you're hiding um, all of that pain, you know, inside. It, it, and then to finally think that maybe she was free of that. I think yeah. that's what people, what's so horrible for people, that she was finally free, like racing away, you know, like, You do, into the sunset, you know, and then boom, you
1: know, that's a real tragedy. Well, I'm not a person who subscribes to the idea that Dodie was not going to propose to her that night, because it's sort of interesting that they, you know, they left the Ritz Hotel. They didn't have to, obviously, Dodie's father owned it, and they had a suite upstairs, but they Mm -hmm. decided to leave the Ritz Hotel because he wanted to take her over to the house formerly owned by the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, edward the eighth and, and wallace simpson that his father had bought for him so there there is a story that he was going to propose to her that night unclear yeah. but there is a story he was going to do it um and i also don't subscribe to the idea that the the media killed diana either i mean i, I think it was irresponsible for the paparazzi to chase the car but that's not why it crashed and he was drunk and she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and 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 this is what I think about all of the rich people and the movie stars who bitch about having their picture taken by paparazzis, mm-hmm. right? I'm sorry, you live in a $10 million house because people want to take your picture. You don't get privacy, too. And I often wonder what would have happened if Dodie had had the wherewithal, because we knew about Dodie and Diana by then. They'd already taken pictures of yeah. them together on the Johnny Call, his father's big boat, but want You know, if, if they just stood in front of the Ritz and said, hey, guys, here, we're going to stand here for five minutes, get your shots, and then please leave us alone, right? That's what he should have done instead of this mm-hmm. crazy chase through the streets of Paris. But, But that's not the story we're allowed to talk about, right? Again, there's a myth that she was hounded to death and... The media were responsible, yeah. but uh, that's more where, that's more we happens.
2: do love our conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they yeah. arise around all kinds of things, and people love to speculate. But we'll, you know, and and we'll never know, uh, you know, the the truth of the, the, what goes on behind the scenes of of so many things, you know. So um, no, and we but, have
1: to live with that kind of um, insecurity, don't we? I mean, it's tough. It's tough to not know stuff. Yeah, that's against my yeah. nature. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mine I need to too. Know
1: things, yeah. No, I know. I know. So I, I'm really. I, I don't want to get into a big kind of current affairs thing because we're just ending now. I, I'm much more interested in ending with you on that's such an interesting story about being in an abusive relationship. Mm. I grew up in an abusive household too. It was pretty awful and obviously I've overcome it um, and alcoholism too. Um, mm. And I, I'm just wondering what advice you would give to to people stuck in those situations. What would you say to them about having hope and, and getting out of it? We've got like a minute and a half.
2: Yeah, you know, I, it's interesting because I just wrote a little bit about it in the latest piece that I just published this morning, which is called The Truth of... uh, the truth of Luciferus, actually but but i talk a little bit about it um and um you know one of the things that i had to realize was that and it's it sounds a little bit harsh but i don't mean it in that way is that i am responsible for me you know we're all responsible for ourselves and i was and i kind of put myself in that um situation in that prison you know we put ourselves in these prisons and i had to get myself out of it and the, and advice that people gave me like the christian advice was you know it was all wrong the advice that i was given um but it to to, to have to have the courage to believe that you can you can leave because yeah. i didn't believe i could and I didn't know how to open my mouth to talk to somebody and it was my sister who called me one day and said is he abusing you you know uh, that where I finally was able to say all I had to do was say yes I didn't have to initiate anything so I, I would also encourage people like if you think anybody's in a situation like that don't you know hold you know help them, you know, because so many people did not help me, they just chose to ignore it, you know, and so I felt very alone. But so yeah, to find that strength to get the, also get the help that you need. There's so much that could be said about it.
1: Well, look, I'm so grateful to you for your generosity about that, too. It makes a difference, I think, when we talk about these things. So Mm -hmm. thanks very much, Karen Hunt. We'll talk again soon. And um, I want to just, all right, before we leave, I just want (laughs) to say if you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. And you can reach me at Trishwood at TNTradio.live. See you in a minute.